Well, good morning, everyone. If you don't mind heading back to your seats, please. I mean, as I just listened to that testimony, I just couldn't help but just appreciate just how the gospel brings people into a community from all different cultures and places, and we get the opportunity to share in the joy of that right here at Grace. Um, and if you miss that Holy Spirit retreat, boy, the next time it comes around, I'd encourage you to think about going because God really seemed to meet people in many, many ways during that time. But thank you so much for being here with us today, whether you're here on, in person or online. Uh, if you happen to be new to Grace, my name's Don. I'm one of the pastors on the team here. And we are moving towards the end of a series we've been in for several weeks called Abide, which is really just focusing on how do we live out this living personal relationship with Jesus in our everyday lives. And so I want to look at a passage of scripture today for the message today in John 14, verses 21 through 24. And as George mentioned earlier, the title of the message today is The Reward of Obedience. Well, what comes to your mind when you hear the word obedience? I mean, maybe you think of how a child is to obey their parents. Or maybe what comes to your mind are words like authoritarian or harsh leadership or strict rules or maybe even punishment in some sense. Obedience, I think, is often considered really a bad or negative word in our culture today. It threatens our desire for freedom and self-determination. It restricts our ability to do and be whatever we want or desire. It can conjure up images of oppression or even slavery. And it smacks of control. And it seems to promise an unhappy, unfulfilling life. And if that's how you think, I mean, I can understand in the world we live in today, it may come as a surprise to you that when the Bible talks about obedience, it often uses very different words to describe its effect in our lives. It uses words like joy, delight, and love to picture what obedience produces in those who live it out in a relationship with Jesus. I mean, Jesus himself said it in places like John 15, 10, and 11, he says this, he says, if you keep my commandments, that's obedience, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Jesus says obedience results in a close abiding love relationship with him and joy in your life. 
And so obedience, if done for the right reasons and from the right motive, produces joy and love for God. It is the means to knowing God's love for us more deeply. It's the key to seeing him work in and through our lives to accomplish his kingdom purposes. And it is the pathway to experiencing God and knowing him more deeply and intimately in our everyday lives. And that's really the big idea that the message is about today. Obedience is the pathway to experiencing God and knowing him more intimately. Obedience is the pathway to experiencing God and knowing him more intimately. And our text for today in John 14, 21 through 24 is one place where Jesus makes this connection for us really clearly. So before we look at these verses, let's just take a moment and pray and ask God to meet us in this time. Lord, as we come to you again this morning, we freshly need your grace to meet us today. Lord, we want to look at your word, but Lord, we want that word to speak to our hearts and our souls and our, our minds with grace and power, Lord. So Lord, I ask that you would send your spirit, Lord, the spirit you have given to those who believe and trust in you, that you would fill this place with that spirit that you might open the eyes of our hearts and minds to see all the wonders of what you have for those who will walk with you in close obedience. Lord, that our lives might be transformed, that we might be more pleasing to you and how we live, and that we might know and experience you more intimately and deeply in our daily lives. Lord, do that, I pray, for the glory of your name and for the honor and of the person and work of your son, for the sake of your word and the good of your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's look at John 14, 21 through 24 together. Jesus is speaking. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. So there are two points we want to draw from this text this morning to help us see that obedience is the pathway to experiencing God and knowing him more intimately. And so the first one we want to look at is that obedience is the outward expression of our love for God. In verse 21, Jesus says it this way. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And this 
idea of having my commandments, has my commandments. It's the idea of one who receives them and takes them into their inner being, if you will. One who makes them his own. But just knowing and receiving Jesus' commandments is not what loving Jesus looks like. The one who loves him keeps his commandments. He obeys them. He says it again in verse 23. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. You see, if Jesus is fully God, he is not only a loving Savior and friend to us, which he is, but he is also the creator and king of this universe. And he has every right as creator and king to require our obedience. And obedience is a far more important indicator of our loving him than just knowing what he says, just saying we believe it, just affirming what he says in his commands. I mean, Jesus kind of made that point in a little parable he told in Matthew 21, verses 28 through 31. He says this, he says, What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. See, God doesn't give us the luxury of fooling ourselves into thinking that loving God is some nebulous feeling or just what we say or think. Loving God isn't seen in just agreeing with what Jesus says. It's not reading his word and saying, yeah, that's right. And it's not sitting here in a, on a Sunday morning and hearing the preacher preach and, and say, amen. That's not what loving God is. The Bible tells us that if we love God, the reality of that love is seen in our obedience to him in doing what he says. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. See, it's easy to say how much we love Jesus. It's easy to say we agree with his commands. But a faithful man, one who does, who acts, who obeys, not quite as common, the proverb says. But the relationship between Jesus and his followers, it's characterized by obedience and that keeps his commands. They love and obey Jesus' commands just as Jesus loved and obeyed his father's commands. And when that obedience is done out of love for him, it is not restrictive or burdensome. It produces joy and delight and a deeper love for God in our lives. And that's the joy Jesus had in his obedient relationship with, to the Father. And that's the joy he gives to us if we walk with him in that same kind of obedient love relationship. Now, we, we need to be careful here 
that we don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying in these verses in John 14. See, obedience is not a way we earn a spot or a place in God's kingdom. And obedience is not the way we gain or earn God's love. God's love is given to us freely by his sovereign choice. And it never shifts or changes based on anything we do or don't do. And God also doesn't want an obedience that flows out of some begrudging sense of duty or fear where we obey because he's, he's the big cosmic policeman in the sky and we obey because we fear that he'll punish us if we don't. And that misrepresents God and who he is and his love for his people. But really, obedience is the logical response, if you will, of those whom God in his grace has saved. We obey not to gain God's favor, but because we have God's favor. Obedience is to be our willing, joyful response to all that God has done for us and loving us and saving us. And so God wants our obedience to flow out of our love for him that produces a desire and a joy in our hearts in pleasing him. I think we see this illustrated in the story of Jacob and Rachel in the Old Testament in Genesis. And just to give you a little context of what's going on in that story. So Jacob is the son of Rebekah and Isaac, Abraham's son Isaac. And so when Jacob grows up and he's reached the point where it's about time for him to get married and Rebekah and Isaac, they don't want him to marry any of the Canaanite people that live around them. So they send him on this long journey to Rebekah's brother named Laban Uh, far away in Haran. And so Jacob goes on this long journey for the purpose of finding a wife there from from Laban's family. So eventually he makes his way there. He kind of connects with Laban. And uh, Laban has two daughters, uh, one named Rachel and one named Leah. And so in Genesis 29, 16 through 20, it says this. It says, Jacob loved Rachel. And he said, I will serve you, speaking to Laban, seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. And so Jacob Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. You catch that last part? Jacob served and did what Laban told him to do for seven years for, so because he loved Rachel. And it says those seven years, they just seem like a few days because the love that motivated him during that time made that service not burdensome. See, love makes service and obedience not a burdensome thing. 
mere duty or obligation will not produce a life of obedience that is characterized by joy and a heart that willingly desires to obey. Only love can do that. And when God tells us to do something, whether it's through his word or the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we're not to debate it. We're not to apply our human logic to evaluate whether it makes sense to us. We're to obey it as an expression of our love for him. Obedience is the outward expression of our love for God. So how would you evaluate the level of obedience to God in your life? I mean, which son in that parable Jesus told in Matthew 21 are you most like? The one who says he'll obey but doesn't? Or the one who does what his father commands? See, Jesus, he doesn't make obedience an optional response for those who are his followers. And he couldn't say it more clearly than in our passage in John 14. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. I mean, you won't be perfect in your obedience to God. Only Jesus was perfect in obedience. But if we fail to see the importance of obedience in our Christian lives, if we lack a commitment to obedience, we will miss out on the great reward that obedience motivated by love brings. And that brings me to the second point I want to draw from this passage, and that is obedience results in knowing God and his love more intimately. So let's go back to verse 21. Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And this word manifest, it has the idea of he will reveal himself in ways that are personal and meaningful and precious. And Judas and the other disciples, they don't have a category for this at this time. They, they just don't understand this yet. So in verse 22, Judas, and this is not Judas Iscariot, as it says. This is another Judas who was part of the disciples. says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world. See, they're still thinking that Jesus is going to reveal himself as this messianic king who's going to restore Israel to power and rule over the earth. And they just don't get it yet. And so Jesus, Jesus is not talking about manifesting himself physically, although he will in his resurrection in some limited way. We see that that's not what he's talking about in verse 23. It says, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. 
Jesus says he and the Father will come and dwell intimately with those who walk in obedience to his word. And while this is speaking about the spirit that will come and dwell within believers, Jesus is promising much more than just the indwelling spirit. He's promising an intimacy, a closeness. The word abide literally has this idea of dwelling in the same home with someone. And that's the very word Jesus uses. We will make our home with him. And it's just the idea of of living in the same household with someone and you're just with them and interacting with them and getting to know them and just experiencing a close relationship with them. And so Jesus' response to our obedience is that we will come to know him more intimately as he progressively reveals himself to us. Jesus promises that our obedience will result in a deeper knowing of him and his love for us. And really knowing God personally and intimately, it's the source of the highest joy you could ever hope to find in this life or beyond. The psalmist said it in Psalm 1611. He says, speaking of God, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, knowing God is the highest joy and delight that you could could ever possibly experience because to know God personally, to have the presence of the Spirit in your life where you can know God in a personal way is to really to be caught up and share in the infinite joy and love and delight that the Father and Son and Spirit share in the Trinity themselves. It is joy unimaginable. It is love that is perfect in every way. And it is infinitely great. And God draws us into that very experience. We can see it in John 14, 21 through 24, when Jesus says, the one who keeps my commands, the Father will love him and I will love him. We share in that infinite joy and love and delight that the Father and Son and Spirit share with each other. I mean, there is nothing greater than that. And really, your eternity as a believer will be defined by knowing God and his love for you in an ever deeper and growing wonder that never ends. And the eternal rewards for obedience, I mean, we can't even begin to comprehend But through our obedience in this life, God will disclose himself to you more and more now in this life as you walk with him and as you wait for the fullness of that eternal reality to come. And one way that happens is as you obey him, He accomplishes his work in and around you through your obedience. See, when you see God working in and around you through your obedience, you will come to know him more intimately. 
I mean, isn't that how we come to know people in everyday life? I mean, you meet someone, you know, you're around them, you see what they do, you see how they are, you see how they respond to things, you see how they act in certain situations, and through that, you get to know them better, right? And so when God works in and through your life to accomplish his works, you come to know him better by seeing and being a part of what he does. Henry Blackaby in his Experiencing God workbook says says it this way. He says, when God calls you into something he is doing, if you obey him, you will come to know him more intimately. If you do not obey, you will miss out on some of the most exciting experiences of your life. See, God wants to work through you to reveal himself to you and to other people. And when you obey him and God does something through your life that only he can do, people see him and not you. And we see this in stories throughout the Bible. I mean, we might take the story of Gideon. If a lot of you may be familiar with the story of Gideon in Judges 6 through 8. I'll just kind of fill you in a little bit. So uh, in Judges 6 through 8, the Midianites are ravaging Israel during the time of the Judges. They, are, they have invaded Israel with an army of 135,000 men, and they are wiping out the fields and taking the livestock and the Israelites are hiding in fear for their lives. And so God comes to Gideon and says, Gideon, I'm going to use you to deliver Israel from the Midianites. And so after working with Gideon a little bit to give him the faith to believe that God's going to do that, God tells him to, to gather an army. So Gideon sends word out and gathers an army of 30,000 men. 30,000 against 135,000. Those odds don't seem too good, right? But God says, no, that's too many. And so he takes Gideon through a process of weeding those 30,000 men down to 300. And so God takes 300 men and defeats an army of 135,000. Why did God whittle it down to 300? He tells him, us in Judges 7, 2. says, the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand saved me. See what's going on? God says, I'm going to do this in a way that everyone will know that I did this. You won't think that you did it yourself. You won't think that you, Gideon, you did it. They will know that only God could make this happen. Only God could take 300 men and defeat an army of 135,000. And when God did that, people saw God. They knew that it was him who did that. And see, God wants to work through your obedience to reveal himself to other people. And as he does so, you will come to know him more intimately and personally as well. 
And as you walk with him in obedience, you come to know him and who he is as he reveals himself to you through what he's doing in and around you. You know, throughout the Bible, there are all these names of God throughout Scripture. I mean, countless of them. And almost every one of them is where God revealed himself to people in some personal way by doing something in or around them. I mean, think about it. My rock, my redeemer, my helper, my comforter, my refuge, my hiding place, my healer, and we could go on and on with many others. And all of these names are God revealing himself and who he is to people in different situations. You see, you can't know God as your provider without him revealing himself to you when there's some need for provision in your life. You can't know God as your comforter unless you have personally experienced his comfort in some time of need. And so the reward for obedience is an intimate, deeper knowledge of God and who he is to you as he works in and through your life. So you obey God, he accomplishes his work through you. You come to know God more intimately as he does so. Your love and trust in him grows. And he calls you into more and sometimes greater things. And as you continue to obey, he reveals himself and who he is to you in even deeper ways. And this cycles, if you will, continues to, to grow and deepen as you walk with him through a life of growing trust and obedience. I mean, that's really what it means to follow Jesus and abide in him. To walk in that close relationship of obedience with him as he reveals himself and who he is to you along the way. And that growing intimacy, it produces a growing joy, a peace, and a trust, even in the midst of circumstances that may be painful or challenging at some times. See, obedience is the pathway to experiencing God and knowing him more deeply. But there's one more verse in, this, in our text that we haven't looked at yet. <clears throat> That's verse 24. Verse 24 says, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. See, Jesus is saying here that if obedience to Jesus and his word is not something that's important to you, if there's no genuine desire and commitment to follow him in obedience to his voice and his word, I mean, that's an indication that you may not really love him or know him in a personal relationship. John says it this way in 1 John 2, 3 through 6. He says, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments 
is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You see, if there's no genuine desire and commitment to obedience in our life, we need to ask ourselves whether we truly know Jesus in a personal living relationship. Because what a tragedy it would be to think that we're right with God when really we don't know him in a way, in a saving way. And so if you're listening or you're here today and if you're not sure whether you have that personal living relationship with Jesus, you know, the reality is you can settle that question today. Regardless of where you may have been in your faith before, before you walked into this room, before you turned on the television today to listen to this message, regardless of where you may have been before, what really matters is what you choose to do today. Because God invites you into a personal relationship with him through Jesus Christ right here, right now. And you can know Jesus today by putting your faith and trust in him to make him your Lord and your Savior. By believing that he is who he said he was and that he came to do, he did what he said he came to do. That he was the Son of God who came into this world in human form so that he could make a way to rescue us from the sins that separate us from God and that have us on a pathway to God's eternal judgment. And he did that by coming and giving himself to die on a cross where he would hang on that cross and take those sins and bear the just punishment that God required for them so that God could forgive us and by putting our faith and trust in Jesus in the genuineness of our heart for him to be our Lord and Savior in a personal way. And God's promise is that he would forgive us and he would bring us into a relationship with him through Jesus. He would give us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us forever. And he would grant us a place in his eternal kingdom for all time. And so in one sense, it, it kind of doesn't matter what happened before today. You can decide today. And if you're not sure, you can affirm that choice just by telling God in the genuineness of your heart that you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. I mean, I'll be honest, there have been many times throughout my life where I've been wrestling with doubts at various times, and I've said, Lord, I don't know where I've been, but here, let me make it clear now that I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. And so if you're not sure, maybe you know you don't have that kind of personal relationship. I would appeal to you that God just says, come if you want to. Come if you will. If you're willing to turn from whatever you might be trusting in, 
and put your trust and hope in Jesus and Him alone, God says He will welcome you into His family. And for those of us who are confident that we have that personal relationship with God, is there anything keeping you from a more wholehearted life of obedience to Jesus and his word? I mean, maybe you don't trust him enough to follow him in a life of committed obedience to his voice and his word. I mean, maybe you're afraid that his purposes and plans for you aren't best or for your good. Maybe you think your purposes and plans are better. But if we stop and think for a moment about who he is, that just really doesn't make good sense. I mean, think about it. If Jesus is fully God in human form, And if God is perfect in love and all that he is and does, then his will for us is always best and for our greatest good. If God is all-knowing and perfectly knows the past, present, and future in every detail, his directions and plans are always right and perfect in every way. And if God is all-powerful and nothing is too difficult for him, then he is fully able to enable you to do anything he calls you to do by his grace and power. Just remember Gideon. 300 men against 135,000? That's humanly impossible. Yet that's exactly what God did. Because God is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He knows everything perfectly. And he loves you with a perfect love that would never do anything that wasn't for your best and greatest good. And if for some reason you doubt his love for you or that he's for you, just spend some time looking at and meditating on the cross. Because that's where Jesus and the Father's love for you is on full display in all of its brilliance. Because God the Father gave the most precious thing that he had in his own son of infinite worth and value, gave him to suffer and die for you on that cross. And Jesus willingly came to this earth, sacrificed, laid down his perfect divinity in in divine form to become encased in human flesh so that he could rescue you from your sins. And he walked through this life rejected, despised, and went through the torture before the crucifixion, and then the physical horrors of crucifixion, and all this willingly for you. And if the horrors of the crucifixion weren't enough, to imagine the wrath of God poured out on him for your sins that he willingly endured just so he could give you a chance to be part of God's family and his kingdom. So if you doubt God's love for you, 
Just spend some time thinking about and meditating on the cross. Because if God loved you like that when you were his enemy, when you were deserving of his judgment, how can you doubt his love and commitment to your good now that you are his child? And so when those moments of obedience come as we go about life, how we respond in those moments reveals what we really believe about God and his love for us. And it reveals whether we will experience being a part of what he's doing around us. And it reveals whether we will come to know him more intimately in our everyday lives. If I could have the worship team come and join me. Now, if as you listen to this, if your heart's response is, Jesus, I want to walk more closely with you in obedience to your voice and your word in my life. I mean, if that's where your heart's response is, God couldn't be more pleased and delighted in your genuine desire and choice to do that. And he's not focused on your past or your previous track record. But he is for you as you seek to walk more closely with him in obedience. And you know, you can start today right where you are. Be alert to his voice. Grow in seeking to discern when he's speaking to you and and how he wants to work in and through your life. You could start with the little things. You know, we were uh, talking about this in our small group this past week. We've, as we've been going through this series, we've been, you know, in our small group trying to really cultivate uh, uh, practicing being alert and sensitive to, to God and what he's doing around us and hearing his voice and being quick to respond and when we sense some prompting and... So we were sharing this past week about how that was going, and and one person shared how, you know, they were having their devotional one morning and and just felt prompted by God to send out something that they read in their devotional. So they sent it out to some people they knew and, and sent it out to the other people in our small group. And when one of the people in the small group got it, they sent it on to somebody else, and that person was deeply impacted by that little devotional content. Now, the original, the person who sent it out originally, they didn't even know the person that it eventually impacted. But isn't that often the way God does things? His picture is so much bigger than ours. And somebody else shared about how they were were uh, just had a sense that God was calling them to reach out to an old college friend that they hadn't talked to in a long time. And so they did. They obeyed and found that when they contacted them, that that person was really just going through a really challenging situation, and that reaching out was just very meaningful to them. Just little things, but God working around you. You know, Luke 16.10 says this, as one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. So start with the little things. And as God sees your faithfulness in the little things, he will trust you with more and greater things 
that he wants to involve you in. But see, God won't ask you to do more if you're not obeying what he's already told you to do. And if you will walk with him in obedience, he will show you what he's doing around you. He will invite you to join him and be a part of what he's doing. And as you obey his voice and his word, you will come to experience him in your life and know him more intimately. You see, that's the great reward of obedience. Obedience is the pathway to experiencing God and knowing him more intimately. And so as we kind of come to the close of our time, you know, there's an old hymn that really kind of captures this theme. And I've asked the worship team if they would kind of dig that out of the archives and so we could maybe sing it together. And so let's stand together. And if you know this, please sing along. If not, just let the words kind of minister to you. <clears throat> 